You're listening to the One Small Bite Podcast with me, your host, David Roscoe. For over a decade, I have built a successful nutrition practice helping thousands of people thrive, nourish their life, and break the cycle of crazy diets. We will take one small bite at a time to transform your health and develop a positive relationship to food. So let's chop the diet mentality, fuel your body, and nourish your soul. Okay, are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, everybody. Thanks for being with me. Welcome to the One Small Bite Podcast. I'm your host, David Orozco, registered dietitian nutritionist and certified intuitive eating counselor. And hey, have you heard of our practice? It is Orozco Nutrition. Go and visit us on our website if you get a chance, OrozcoNutrition.com. We've got a great program of services for you. For example, We've got our new community that's being built, and I am so excited. It's going to launch in August, so stay tuned because we've got some great services involved for great low price on a monthly basis. You can get an online hub. You can network and meet people both online and in real life. We'll have in real life events. We'll have cooking demos. We'll also have fitness and movement and all of these great activities. We'll also hope to have some great discussion boards. And we'll also have a newsletter that everybody will have access to, free resources. And you'll also get to, and here's the best part, be part of group counseling sessions that are going to be beneficial to help you move towards a more positive and secure relationship with food. All right, folks, I know that for this podcast, you're here to listen to a great show today, and I've got a good one. Are you one of those that wake up at two or three in the morning and you just can't fall back to sleep and you try and toss and turn and you pick up your tablet and you start or your smartphone and you start looking at social media or maybe turn on the TV? Well, I've got five simple ways that'll help you manage and get you back to sleep. Are you ready? Okay. Let's do this. Now, let me first talk about why that might happen. Why is it that we're getting up at two or three in the morning? So a lot of it has to do with stress. That stress that we're getting on a daily basis, things that are just so much. You heard in my previous podcast about all of the stressors that we're dealing with in a societal global level. We're in this COVID post-pandemic world. We're in the United States dealing with recession. We've just had the Roe v. Wade overturned. So that has caused a lot of anxiety and a lot of emotional angst in a lot of us. And then as a parent, what happened in Uvalde? Oh, man, that, that just broke my heart. So I, too, have been dealing with a lot of these emotional challenges. And Oh, gosh, especially as you get older, it definitely affects your sleep. And so I, too, wake up in the middle of the night. And for the longest time, I struggled. I tossed and turned, wouldn't be able to go back to sleep. So I want to talk about, in a little bit, the ways that we can help that. But let me talk a little bit further about the stress. Now, you heard in that past episode on the HPA axis, you remember that? If you didn't, it's okay. That's the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis. 
And so just to give you a quick run through again, this is the signaling pathway that occurs when you are stressed. Now, technically, this comes from our reptilian ancestors. So animals have this as well. So what happens is, is that the hypothalamus releases a hormone that then stimulates the anterior pituitary, which then signals the adrenal glands, which sit on top of your kidneys, to start releasing various hormones. So we get things like adrenaline, which are known as epinephrine or norepinephrine. We also get cortisol. And then when we get those, we get increased heart rates. We also get an increase in our vascular uh, walls. So in other words, we vasodilate. We also vasodilate our bronchial passages. So we are able to get more air. And therefore, this causes a sort of bit of a cascade. We release glucose and fat into our blood. The liver and the muscle are responsible for that, mainly the liver at first. And then we now have a considerable amount of energy to take on that threat, that saber-toothed tiger or that lion or bear, or in common modern day society, it would be an accident or a um, deadline or something that is threatening us or challenging us or maybe overwhelming us, or maybe it's a lack of control or something. So this is the HPA axis. And essentially what's happening is we're getting a flood of these hormones. And then these hormones then increase our need or increase the availability. And so what happens is that these hormones then provide us with the energy and the resources to help combat that threat, that challenge, that overwhelm, that lack of control. The problem is, is that it doesn't just stop there. We often throughout the day are dealing with low level amounts of what we know as stress. And it could be emails, it could be deadlines, it could be your job, it could be finances, or as I just mentioned a little while ago, post-pandemic world, a recession looming, the problems with gun control or the violence occurring, the racism in the United States. There's a lot, there's a lot there. And so it looms in our minds. And so there's a perception of a threat. It's as if it's happening, but it's not really happening. And you throw in traumatic events. Maybe you've been in a car accident, or maybe you served in the military, or maybe you've had a very difficult situation in life. And these are all traumatic events. We also inherit trauma. In other words, when our parents and our grandparents have had tra trauma in their life, that memory of the trauma resides in our uh, reproductive organs. And so that trauma is actually passed down from generation to generation. And so what happens is, is that we're not aware of it. So what ends up happening is this stress will decrease the ability to fall asleep and it disrupts your ability to go into a deep sleep. So there are different cycles of sleep. We've got about five of them. And those are essentially the stages. We go from what's called a REM, rapid eye movement sleep, that's known as your dream state, to a non-REM. That's your deep sleep. That's where you're not having dreams. So we go through these peaks and valleys, okay? We go through these five stages. We start with a non-REM dream state, and then go down into that deep sleep. And then we go back into that dream state and then back down. So this happens five times, roughly every 90 minutes, generally speaking, 
Don't hold me to that. That's not perfect. It's not going to happen with every single person. And we have to target for exactly 90 minutes because that'll drive you nuts. The last thing we need is more stress. But that's typically what tends to happen. But we can wake up in that REM sleep. We can actually be in a state of sleep and wake. And so this is where that disruption starts creeping in. The longer we are not in that deep sleep and the more that we're in that REM sleep and we're not going back into that deep sleep, the greater the likelihood that we may wake up. Now, the stress that occurs during the day and when we don't have good outlets for them, what ends up happening is that it makes it difficult for our bodies first to go back to sleep. And then it also makes it difficult for us to actually fall asleep when we're going to bed at night. So, There are a couple of things that we need to take into consideration when it comes to stress. Of course, throughout the day, what we need to do is try to manage the amount of stress that we're getting. We do that by two major ways, either manage the stress that you have or starting to eliminate the stressors or the environments, the situation that put us into these stress environments. Let me give you one example. I'm working with a client and the client is worried about their weight. And the person says to me, I've got to weigh myself every day because if I don't, then that's a sign of my health. And they said that this was programmed into them along with checking their blood pressure and taking their medications because they had an illness at one time. And this is what their medical team recommended that they do. Well, fast forward. And this person is still dealing with the idea that they have to weigh themselves every single day. So I said to this person, okay, let's think about that a little bit. What is the environment that you're putting yourself into? And they thought about it for a second. I said, think about this. A little while ago, you said to me, and this is what they were saying to me when we were talking about the weight loss or about weighing themselves, that when they get on the scale, They just want to do that to make sure that they're on track. Now, that sounds good, right? And I said to them, well, think about this. When you are on track, what do you say to yourself? And the person said, well, I'm usually congratulating myself or everything is good or I'm in a great place. And I said, okay, great. Now, what happens when you're not on track? And then they go, oh, yeah, well... Um, I start thinking I did something wrong. I try to understand maybe it's something that I ate last night. So I said to them, okay, so you start judging yourself, right? And they're like, well, I never looked at it that way. And they said, well, yeah, I guess. So I said, that's that critical voice. Now, what is making that critical voice come up? And so the person said, oh, well, you know, it's just, that's how I am. And I said, is it (laughs) really? I said, this is another problem is that if you think you are, then you are self-fulfilling your prophecy, but maybe it's the environment that you're putting yourself in. And I said, do you understand what I'm talking about? And the person's like, "Mm, no, not really. (laughs) I said, well, think about it this way. I just asked you a little while ago, if you step on the scale and things are on track, how do you feel? And they said, oh yeah, I feel good. And I said, that's the problem. They looked at me like, what? What's going on? And I said, I know you don't get it, right? But even though it's a good thing, the problem is, is that it infers the bad thing. It keeps the opposite ends at constant battle with each other. In other words, it keeps the you're bad at battle with your good and the good 
is in battle with the bad. <laughs> I said, eliminate the battle. You don't need the war anymore. And they're like, what are you talking about? Don't jump on the scale. And they're like, oh, <laughs> I never thought of it that way. I said, look, it's okay to jump on the scale maybe once a month. Maybe you just kind of want to see what's going on. Now, the problem with the scale is that it does a horrible job telling you anything. It only tells you how much gravitational pull the earth is having on your body. It doesn't tell you whether you're a good or a bad person. It's not an emotional scale. It's not something, a physiological accuracy. That, that, that's not what's happening. <laughs> so you put yourself in the environment to keep the critical voice coming. And so then you're saying to yourself, oh, I'm just so hard on myself. Well, yeah, the more you keep putting yourself in that environment, the greater the likelihood you're going to have the battle. The problem isn't you. The problem is the battle. And so unfortunately, you were taught to check your blood pressure, check your weight, and take your medication. And so you were a good boy. You were a good girl, whatever. But yeah, that's weight. I've talked about that before. Weight is not a great determinant of your health to begin with. So you're not really doing yourself any, any favors. And they're like, oh, okay. So that's one of the things that ends up creating that level of stress. And so what happens is that one example, right? You have that critical voice. Now make believe that that happens in other areas of your life. What situations are you putting yourself in that's creating more criti criticism, more self-criticism? This is the reason why I talk about self-compassion. This is why I talk about curiosity. This is what I mean by those things. First, give yourself some time to be aware of what is it that you're doing that puts you into that critical voice. And therefore, that's that curiosity. And then you move along to compassion. All right. That compassion means give yourself some grace. This is what you were taught a long time ago. So we have to unlearn a lot of that. Okay, David, I get it. This is great. But you told me you were going to tell me five things that are going to help me go back to sleep. What does this have to do with it? One of the things that I'm talking about here is the things that are happening during the day is this management of stress, but then there's also the elimination of the stress, meaning you don't put yourself in that situation. So those are very important. Now, one of the other things that I recommend is you listen to episode 114, seven non-diet ways to help you sleep better. This was an episode that I did a few months back where I talked about food and the relationship of what we're eating and drinking throughout the day that will help us get a little bit better sleep. What I'm also referring to in that episode is that's another way of reducing the stress. I'll give you an example real quick, right? Person says to me, well, you know, David, I have really difficult time snacking. I snack quite a bit late at night. And if you heard my last episode, the previous episode to this, one of the things that often happens is that when we are under stress, either we eat a lot, or like many of us, and this is what I find most often, is that many of us don't eat at all. And so by the time we get into the evening, or maybe not at, not at all, but quite less. And so by the time we get into the evening, we're starving. Not only did we not eat enough, but we burned up an enormous amount of energy. And so our metabolism slows down, which has got a thermostatic effect, meaning that it's a feedback. The more your energy decreases, the greater likelihood your appetite increases. So then what happens is we start snacking and it then becomes over time very habitual. 
So this is what I mean about the unlearning. So this is what I'm talking about listening to the previous episode and listening to episode 114. Okay, but for right now, I've got a question for you. Are you like me? When you wake up in the middle of the night, your head just starts spinning with all of the things that you're worried about or how depressed you might be or um, this to do and that to do and how bad you were that you didn't get a, uh, a an email out or you're supposed to take care of this or do that. You see what I mean about that self-compassion I'm talking about that is so necessary to bring in? Well, one of the things that I try to do with many of my clients is help them get a little bit better sleep. So let me start with the first one. Look, with all great intentions, what happens during the day sometimes may still not help you because it's going to take some time to get out of the cycle of waking up at two, three, four in the morning. All right. So here are the five things that we can do that will help us get back to sleep when we wake up in the middle of the night. So let's start with the first one. The first one is find relaxation techniques. Let me go over a few ideas of what these kind of relaxation techniques are, okay? If you find yourself that after about 20 or 30 minutes, you're not able to fall back to sleep naturally or uh, easily, then this is where you can start doing these kind of things. One thing is you're lying in bed, it's lie in bed and do a breathing technique. Now, this breathing technique is known as the four, seven, eight. And this is what I've seen uh, when I've looked online and through the National Sleep Foundation, as well as other sleep experts. And so the breathing exercise looks something like this. You inhale for four seconds and count to four, inhale. Hold your breath for seven seconds and then exhale for eight. And let that exhale come out slowly so you can do it in a count of eight. And then you repeat that about three to four times, okay? You could do it a little bit more. Well, if you do it while you're awake, just like right now when I did it, I immediately felt that sense of relaxation. So that starts helping you relax a little bit more. Another thing that I like to do quite often is do a visualization technique. So what does that mean? That means in your mind, find a place, a peaceful place, something that has a sight, uh, a sound, or a scent that you can think about in your mind and go there and try to imagine that place. For me, it's sometimes in the mountains when I'm camping or hiking and I'm looking at a fire and just relaxing. Or sometimes it's being on the beach and just sitting on the beach, looking out to the water as the waves come in and out. And that's really nice because you can hear the water, you can feel the sand on your toes or feet, you can feel that hot air, something that might be relaxing. It could be a lake, it could be a place in your house. So that's one thing. Another thing could be a muscle relaxation exercise. So a muscle relaxation exercise would mean you tighten your muscle for three seconds and then release it. Now, don't do it too hard because you can cramp up. Just tighten your muscle and then release it. Start with your feet and go all the way up to your face. So maybe do your feet and then your calves and then your quads. Uh, quadriceps or hamstrings, maybe your buttocks, your abs, your biceps, your hands, maybe your neck a little bit, and then maybe your cheeks, you know. And then again, each place three seconds and then count for three seconds off. So three seconds on and three seconds relax. Another technique is a mind chant. 
I, I like this mind chant and these mind chants could be a song. So something that you can repeat on a regular basis. Okay. So all of these are relaxation techniques that you can do in the bed while you're still trying to go back to sleep. Now, if you can't go back to sleep after 20 or 30 minutes, then number two, get out of bed, get out of bed and go to a different room. If you go out of bed and you go to a different room, go ahead and maybe listen to a pod, sleep podcast or an audiobook, or read a very boring book, <laughs> but don't use a smartphone or a tablet or a computer. The blue light that's emitted from these computers, they're not very good for us. And they actually disrupt that deep sleep that I was talking about a little while ago. So something that has very dim light that you can read, and it's somewhat boring, maybe a novel or a research article uh, that usually puts me to sleep, even though I love reading them. <laughs> um, or maybe you can also do some quiet music. So all of these techniques with getting out of bed can be very helpful. All right. So that's number two. Number three, if you do get up in the middle of the night, resist looking at the clock so much or picking up your smartphone and then start going into social media because your mind is going, oh, I got to check that. Oh, I got to check that. And you think, oh, this is a great idea. I might as well, since I'm awake and I can't go back to sleep, let me just go ahead and check this. And then two hours later, you're still awake. Remember that blue light, even though it has that blue light blocker, or you might have glasses, that stimulus from whatever you're reading or seeing can also be damaging or hard to make you allow you to go back to sleep. Number four, Try to dim or avoid bright lights. Let's say you have to get up to go to the bathroom and you can't fall back to sleep when you get up. Try to avoid turning on lights or having bright lights. So making sure that the room is set up where it is quiet or and uh, very low light. And then number five, number five is a good one, which can kind of be used in different areas of any of these five. And that is keep a journal or maybe a to-do list and turn on a dim light and then write that to-do list or maybe write out some of your thoughts, some of the things that you're thinking. One of the benefits of journaling like this is not so much that you need to go back to your journal to read it or review it. You can use it for your to-dos, but sometimes it's good to just get what's in your mind out. It you, you, one of the reasons we ruminate is because those thoughts just keep going on and on and on in our heads. So it's a great way to get those things out. Okay. And then look, you can do any combination of these. You can have relaxation techniques when you get out of bed and you could do journaling somewhere else, or you can try the um, muscle the tensioning and relaxing exercise or the mind chant and, um, and music that you hum in your head. You can do the visualization. You can do all combination of these as well. So it doesn't have to be one only. Here's the other thing when you do any five of these techniques. They're not foolproof. It's not like all of a sudden you're going to sleep like a baby and no problems. You're going to have to try a few over and over again. Now, I want to get to one other thing because this is something that clients say all the time. And I, it happens to me too. But David, what if you get up like at 4.30 and you know you got to get up at 6? And I say to people, I get it. You know, they think, well, I'm up. I might as well just go ahead and get up. One of the things that I tell them is, look, stay in bed. Try these techniques. If worse 
if at worst, what happens is that you knock out 30 to 45 minutes, well, then at least your body is still in that relaxation. And what you're doing is you're training yourself or you're practicing yourself to do these techniques. When we get up and say, oh, well, let me just go ahead and start working because I got a ton of work that I have to do. You exasperate yet the same stress cycle, the HPA axis. And so when we use that cycle too much, it starts wear and tearing our body. Like I'd mentioned before, it starts breaking down those arterial or vascular walls. It starts putting in too much glucose into our blood. And so it makes it difficult for us to manage that blood sugar. So that's why I say, look, even if it's close to the time that you got to get out of bed, practice doing these techniques. Okay. One other thing, if you're still having problems with your sleep, it is a good idea to start seeing a sleep specialist, a doctor, or maybe even a sleep psychologist that can help you work through some of those very important sleep challenges. You might be dealing with sleep apnea. You might be having a hard time bringing in enough oxygen. You might be dealing with some insomnia or some other post-traumatic stress that may be just too difficult to deal with on your own. So make sure you reach out to a health professional. Hey, here's the disclaimer, left it to the end this time. Remember, this episode and podcast is for educational and informational purposes only. This is not a substitute for medical, emotional, or a weight-inclusive nutrition health consult for your specific needs or sleep. (laughs) Please find a registered dietitian or a health professional Hopefully that is Hayes, intuitive eating or weight inclusive aligned and is licensed in your states. All right, folks, just want to leave you with that information. I hope this was helpful. I'd love to hear how it's helped you in your journey. If you can leave me a message or drop me a rate and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, I'd greatly appreciate. Hey, that really helps me get this show out to more people. One other thing that you could do to help us out is share this with a friend that you know. This can be helpful for them, maybe. And I'd love to hear from you. Feel free to hit us up on any of our socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I'm most active on Instagram. So at Orozco Nutrition at any one of those um, uh, socials. All right, folks, it's great having you here. Remember, we've got our very very first community starting up soon. More information will be on our website soon. So hang in there. It's coming. We'll have show notes as well for today's show. So check them out. And remember, until next time, chop that diet mentality, fuel your body, and nourish your soul. See you soon. Oh, yeah.